0: And i got to admit, I was really pumped. I wanted to help someone and it, it resonated with me. And I, left, I was left a bit hollow and I thought, what should I do? And I just made the decision. We're going we're to open Christmas Day for the NHS and everything's free.
1: Things I find fascinating are the characteristics behind many different brands some of them are outgoing and energetic some of them are a little bit more laid back so in this podcast we look to explore all the different characteristics not only the brand itself its roots its origins but the people behind the brand and is there a bit of a relationship between the characters of the people and the characters of the brand well hey there this episode is brought to you by our friends at Dewarstone. Check them out at duerstone.com where they have a range of shorts, 100% organic t-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, caps, beanies, sunglasses, and much more. And not only that, have a look at their blog where Rory and the team are doing some fantastic work around the globe helping disadvantaged families. So head to duerstone.com and use the code LOTB15 for 15% off. Well, good afternoon, good morning, and welcome wherever you are, and welcome to this episode of Legends of the Brand. And today, I'm rather excited to have on here with us Simon Penfold from Penfold's Kitchen. So, first of all, Simon, welcome aboard.
0: Thanks, Phil. It's good to see you, man.
1: Nice to see you as well. It's um, you know uh, obviously we've got a bit of a connection from from years ago, and uh, but I kind of want to highlight some of some of you and your story, which we'll get to in a little bit. But um, you know, currently you're 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 in Bristol. Uh, bristol area and you uh run a, a cafe bakery um restaurant cafe what, what would you what do you refer to it as is yeah
0: it I, a... I i'd call it a, a cafe, cafe. Uh, we do brunch and lunch yeah
1: which is That's called penfold's kitchen, kitchen well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. penfold's kitchen named after the proprietor but mm. um so people who are listening to uh to the, the podcast might turn and wonder what the connection is right away but we'll get to there in a second but um ultimately you know uh, I kind of want to highlight some of the fantastic uh, work that Simon does and uh his story which I think is is great and you know what it's my show so I'm going to say this is what we're going to do so here we go <laughs> first I mean um, so for those people who don't know you uh, perhaps you can tell us a little bit about yourself a bit of you, about your background and uh where abouts whereabouts you came from
0: yeah sure so um I was born in uh, Dorset um born and bred and um I've got two sisters, I have my mum and my dad. Uh, and at a very young age, um, my, my father had a petrol station and a car garage. He was a bit of a wheeler dealer, left school at 15. And he was the first one to make it. So his goal was to send us to private school. So off I went at seven, and then I started boarding at eight years old. And it was a totally different experience to what I'd known. Um, it was, it taught me a lot. It wasn't always great one of the best things that happened to me is at the age of 11 I went on to a, a school ski trip to a small place in Italy called Ravascleto which I remember like it was yesterday now my sister came on it and that was the moment that I was wow you know the experience it opened my eyes I, I and then after that I couldn't wait to go again and I kept it going throughout my life um, I changed schools. Unfortunately, my, you know, as it happened, my parents had a messy divorce when I was about uh, eight years old. Um, so boarding schools are probably the best place to be. And then uh, uh, the economic crash in 1991 happened and I could no longer stay at, at my nice my boarding school. So I went to a different one in, in Somerset where I met more friends. And I look back at it with positive memories because it's got me where I am today um and then when i was 18 i left school um i actually had plans to join the army i don't know if you knew that about i it.
1: didn't know that i, I didn't know um,
0: that I, I interviewed for four regiments and i ended up having sponsorship from the royal artillery to go to sandhurst um, but in the october i planned a year out my father passed away so when i was 18 years old and um i decided to go traveling and i took a year i met my Uh, a girlfriend who I actually did get engaged to again you might not know that I was engaged before my wonderful wife and I moved to Australia I was in Australia for a number of years and um, and then I ended up coming back to university in Bristol Uh, and after leaving university after only two years I decided to work in recruitment after the chase of some quick cash didn't quite work out as, as it was (laughs) <laughs> and then looking for a, a career break or a different direction, I found Snow and Rock. I decided to go there for a three-month career break, and, which ended up in almost 10 years. Wow. And then from there, um, I mean, there's lots of in-between moments, uh, but I've ended up in Bristol, you know, I love my life. I've got three lovely boys and a beautiful wife, and um, yeah, this is where I am.
1: Oh fantastic. I mean I hadn't realized that I mean some of those other bits in terms of uh, signing up for the the, uh, the the military but um that's pretty cool and uh, it's so nice to think isn't it that back at, at the age of 11 you've obviously got such a fond memory of snow sports and that's obviously perhaps where the, uh, the 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 touch paper was lit in terms of your excitement for snow sports and um so obviously that uh, was a long time ago and you try to go skiing most times you, you know obviously this past year has been different i totally get that but do you get the opportunity to go skiing a fair amount
0: yeah i do i'm i'm very lucky i'm i'm also i mean as you'll appreciate skiing is uh an expensive sport, and it isn't unfortunately accessible to as many people as we'd all hope. Um, I'm very fortunate, a very good friend of mine has a property in France, and I've been lucky enough to take my boys, I mean, I think Ollie, my eldest, started at the age of five, so Josh started at three, Jake started at two, and um, I we go most years, the, you know, the um, lockdowns we've incurred has obviously got in the way, but I've the moment my boys, my first two boys, went to ski school and I saw them ski, I'll be honest, I cried in my goggles. My wife was stood next to me and said, Are you crying? And it was a huge moment for me because it was a it was an advantage in my life that I'm really glad happened. And for me to pass that on to my sons just to start that experience was
1: huge. Oh, that's 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 wonderful. And it's, you know, there's so few family family activities where uh people can kind of do things together but at their own level and i think snow sports and skiing is perhaps perhaps one of those and uh it's fantastic you guys have the chance to do that i mean you guys are uh, from from take a look online you guys are quite an active family doing stuff outside all the time so what do you you know what do the what do the outdoors mean to you because obviously you're, you're you're outside doing all these things all the time
0: absolutely um the outdoors mean a lot to me i my wife and i we're very aware that we were the last generation that grew up without this social media and mobile phones, and in, you know the intensity it brings. And going outside is is the is better. The, the kids forget that they sh- they're playing Minecraft or they need their phones. They're out in the elements. My middle son in particular, he would move to the mountains tomorrow. I mean, mm-hmm. literally, smile on his face when he's walking in the hills or skiing or just being outside is is just amazing. And um, so it means everything to me and I'm, you know, I'm a bit guilty when you have children and you're tired and you've had a hard week, getting that motivation to step outside is not always easy, but when you've got the children, it pushes you over that threshold out the door and you know what it's like five, 10 minutes. You're like, I should have done this. should, should do this more. I <laughs> love it. Um, we had a great walk at a lovely place, at Sam Bay, uh, near Western super a few weeks ago. Um, and unfortunately I wasn't aware that Dave Sawyer Parker lived up on the hill. I could have seen him <laughs> but it was a fantastic walk and exploring new places doesn't have to be miles away you know exploring where you live and that's what um the pandemic's taught me I've I've learned more about where I live in my country so I'll take that as a bonus
1: oh that's fantastic and obviously enjoying winter in, in the mountains with your family but also getting outside in the summertime uh if you had to choose one winter or summer and a perfect day which would it be
0: it's really hard, actually, wow. Phil, because there's, you. I don't know, do I take a family tack on it or a selfish one? I came, up, like? <laughs> I came up with winter because winter's special um, and it's unique. You know, if you get a day in the Alps or anywhere in the mountains, that crisp morning, you're up early then the sun comes up and you get those first few turns uh, and then you now, you know, I'm getting old, 43. So I don't ski all day I'll stop with my wife and have a van show um, and then also the boys skiing with my boys is a is a, a pleasure that uh, I absolutely love and I, I can't replicate it in other things you know it's great cycling with them going out and, and experiencing but they on day on the mountains and then getting together and even fantastic so I'll take winter
1: if I take can winter. that's fine you can, you can have that so if we take a Take a step to the side, then, and we talk about for for a little bit um, your time um, at at Snow and Rock, and uh, you obviously were involved in uh, uh, the the equipment department. Actually, involved in all aspects of the store of the store. So, can you perhaps walk us through a bit of the different things that you did, and kind of where you started and where you ended up?
0: Sure. So I started off. Uh, I arrived as a boot fitter, and back in the day, you couldn't get enough of them. And uh, so I started up. I earned my as we call it, elephant knee, so kneeling on that lovely nylon carpet Saturday (laughs) after Saturday. Uh, So I started off there, and then I became an assistant supervisor under a wonderful guy called Jamie Edmead, uh, who lives nearby, and I think he's a great guy. Um, And then I am ambitious, so I wanted a supervisor position, and I didn't really fancy killing uh, Jamie. So uh, I went into the clothing department and ran the clothing department for a couple of winters. Um, and then I um, became the assistant manager under Dave Powell for a number of years, and then it got to the point where I, I then got headhunted head to leave Snow and Rock. That was after eight years. And then, as you'll you'll be aware, many people, went, I then returned to Snow and Rock for a few <laughs> months to set up their um, clearance shop in Gloucester. Um, and yeah, that that was my journey. And also, I, I, I was fortunate enough to be invited on the ski test and get involved with the ski buying with you guys and um, and a few other aspects. And I really, I yeah, I've got positive memories.
1: So, with your enthusiasm for for the uh, snow sport environment and all that sort of stuff, was there? I mean, obviously, uh, y- your boys are kind of like, oh, we can move to the mountains ourselves. But uh, was there ever was there ever an inkling to try and think, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna move to the mountains and just and just be part of the, uh, uh, I guess the the mountain vibe there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It actually it nearly happened. <laughs> um, if I hadn't have met my girlfriend uh, who was Australian all those years ago in Maribel, uh I was actually planning on staying out the rest of the season. But I I fell in love and 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 then the rest is history. So <laughs> it was very close. And then I spent many trips visiting um, snow and rock colleagues and other wonderful guy called alex wright who was um uh, i worked with at bristol he worked for a company in maribel so I, i'd go and visit him and and experience you know the season air lifestyle a bit but not having to stay so long and i get to have a shower so it was good
1: the <laughs> <laughs> season air lifestyle but i got to have a shower <laughs> so had you two have you toured around many of the alps then i mean you've, you've done uh, obviously maribel a few times. I
0: hope. Um, my wife and i we have a goal when the boys are growing up that we will we'll tour around many parts of Europe, including ski resorts and a a home. That's the goal. Um, so I, it's not done yet, but I've done a fair amount of luckily ski tests. Um, I personally have traveled a bit. Um, I've managed to ski in Australia. I've visited New Zealand. Uh, I haven't done North America, definitely on the list and I um, have to get some pennies in the piggy bank. And um, my goal for my 50th, again, I don't know if I'll get there, is to ski the Cherry Blossom Powder in Japan. But uh, oh, wow. so I've got a lot of my dreams are ski linked. So, yeah.
1: Oh, that's fantastic. And, um, you know, all these things combined um, in terms of, of travel and all that sort of things. And one of the things that's rather um, endearing, I think, for... Um, for for the way that you've you kind of do these things is obviously sharing your time with other people and I think uh, I'm I'm going on a bit of a limb here. I think anybody who's probably had the opportunity to meet you would probably consider you you know, a people person. By the way, you probably give some of the best hugs I think I've ever had. Uh, So uh, if you're ever... I'll
0: give you one person at some point.
1: Brilliant. Um, But yeah, so I consider you a people person. So um, what is it about people that you like you like and why do you like to connect with people?
0: Yeah, I, I think it's from a, a, uh, a young age. My, I've asked my mother this actually, you know, just, you know sort of uh, precocious, outgoing third child, you know, getting away with murder. I think it was one <laughs> of those two older sisters. I've always enjoyed people's company. I've always enjoyed social side of it. Um, and I think one of the things is, is learning new things you do without even expecting it you if you sat down at the end of the day and you put yourself out there and you met people and you actually talked to them you learn new things might be really subtle things nuances or whatever but it's never a wasted moment um i'm that annoying guy that will go to london on the tube and go hey man are you reading that book how's it going they look at me like oh what are you doing (laughs) um i yeah i i do really like making relationships with people i think you know, of course we all have our off days and there are some days where I'd rather be in bed, but I I enjoy what I do. I do enjoy making people happy. Um, If someone's having a hard time and you can turn that smile upside down, turn that frown upside down, it's corny, but it's true. And it it makes you feel good and you'll want to do it again and again.
1: Oh, I love it. It's uh, uh, Yeah, I I agree with you. I I think there's just a, a lovely energy and that's one of the reasons, I mean, obviously, we haven't had the chance to spend a lot of time together recently, but being in your in your energy and your aura, if you want to call it that, in your presence, there's just a, a wonderful vibe that um, comes across, and uh, just looking forward to to coming down and having a, a cup of coffee again soon. Um, and but you know when you have obviously in in your line of work, um, either working in retail or uh, now now at uh, Penfold's Kitchen, but do. Do you have a secret that you have, or do you have a, a, a way that you like to connect with people or, um, or a way of you know, creating great relationships?
0: Yeah, I think is always being, always being open and friendly, is mm-hmm. enjoy what you do. Um, it's the same with retail. I mean, we've all worked with people, um, and, I've, and I, the older I've got, I think the more candid I get with my advice, especially for young people. And I worry about my children being able to communicate, going back to the whole technological thing, being able to look someone in the eye, read their body language and, and make a, a contact, is that I enjoy what I do. I can see, assess. I've, I'm very lucky with my customer base. I've known them for eight and a half years. Some of them are dear friends. And you can measure how things are going by the tension in the room, how people are doing. They had a bad night. And just being consistent. Hey, warm welcome, mm. always um and nothing's too much you know more like a a mediterranean or middle eastern welcome you know Mm. not unfortunately not your archetypal english welcome you know uh, there's the tea (laughs) um but just enjoying it and when i when we welcome people into our team at penfolds we say look it's wonderful customer base Mm. and it's very easy to say um to them if someone's having a bad day, they're not saying you know it's for a reason. They're not doing it. They're, they've you know, if you want something humbling, work opposite seven hospitals for eight years. Mm. You know these guys are absolute heroes. And yeah. Poof.
1: Yeah. Well, I was going to jump out of that in a second there. Uh, so obviously you 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 left you left Snow and Rock. Um, you went on to Pastors New, and if I recall correctly, at some point I think there was a there was a conversation, I was had where you you expressed that you had. Uh, you're going to go off and take a pastry course or something like that and and uh, I remember sitting to myself and thinking it it's a wonderful trait to go off and learn but it was kind of like the yin and yang from kind of the, the world that we were currently uh involved with so when did you first of all discover that you uh, obviously enjoyed cooking um and and, and that side of of um, um I guess I'm going to say fine cooking but uh, that that detail of cooking when did you discover that
0: it was from a young age i mean if you ever want motivation to be able to put a meal together go to an english boarding school in the 1990s or (laughs) 80s and the food was horrendous um and i i'd go home and and my mum doesn't really know where it came from but from the age of 11 i could put a decent roast on the table for a family of six you know um i am a chaotic cook in the fact that i i don't normally i'm not a great baker for the reason that following stringent instructions and method I think most people that have worked with me go, yeah, that sounds right. Um, You give me a fridge and some ingredients and I'll knock you something up. So it's kind of like a
1: ready, steady cook, but on a bigger scale?
0: Kind of. I mean, obviously I've got a repertoire and I like to cook certain things, but if, and now and again, I will follow a recipe, but I I like the creative side. You know, I like making a sauce, um, finding new things and uh, I've never, I've got a lot of cookbooks that are just collecting dust that I need to start reading. Maybe in my older years, I'll start doing it. But that's, yeah, from Eleven. And uh, cooking is another thing of the social aspect. When you cook for someone and they enjoy it, they do that. You know, they're sat down, there's a smile on their face. It brings joy to you. It's a warm experience. Um, I have a very, very good friend um, who's godfather to one of my sons, and God's daughter. And he was one of three boys growing up and used to spend a lot of time and I went to stay with them at their wonderful place in Cornwall. And I said to the mum, Jill, look, I'll cook. <laughs> you should have seen them. They all turned to me, like, what, you'll cook? And I think I was 12, maybe. And I like, yeah, so I went and got a chicken, peeled the roast potatoes, got a bit of and I cooked them a chicken roast. And literally the brothers gave me a hard time, going, you're showing us up, they're gonna be expecting this from me. But that was one of my experiences, and food, meals, bringing people together, the social aspect. is is why I love it and I work in it yeah
1: and um the the aspect of of cooking do you have a I would would say style perhaps is not the right word but um a cuisine um or uh um, yeah I guess cuisine is probably the right word isn't it that you prefer to cook
0: yeah I I think I learned towards sort of French Italian style cooking um you know sauces I love pasta um you know quite you know, hearty food. As um, I'm I'm a diabetic, I've got to slightly take that into mind. So a lot of the time now, rather than the rice, I'll be having the cauliflower rice <laughs> or rather than the pasta, I'll be having the courgette. Um, yeah, the sauces and the meat. I, The other part for me, Phil, is the sourcing of the ingredients. I love talking to people that produce food and I'm very lucky the relationships I built my suppliers, you know, they're passionate and it, I love that. You know, one of my best experiences going to Bologna on a, on a coffee trip and um, I was just talking to this this guy who's of a similar age, about handmade pasta and, you know, mother's recipe and what sauces to put it with it and don't buy those tomatoes, buy these tomatoes. And I, I could have spent the <laughs> day with the guy. And,
1: really? What, I mean, what is it about it, though, that, uh, I mean, uh, is it, what is it about that aspect that you enjoy the most?
0: Um passion so yeah. someone's communicate you know what it, it, this is re- this is related to our industry mm. it's the same thing that people would come into snow and rock and go why should i buy this ski why mm. why i buy this boot well i do this for you and you know out of my experience of testing that you go and do that run you have a smile on your face at the end of the day and it, it is sales but someone telling me that this is the recipe that's why it's that mm. and you taste it and it, you know it you you smell it, you feel it, and it brings a smile to your face. I love it.
1: Mm. Foodie, no. yes. I, I heard once, um, you know, I think with sales sometimes actually—it's it, almost like it's almost like sharing a, a recipe. It's almost like sharing a, a recommendation for a good meal. Because you know, if you ha- if you had a great meal someplace, you you're more than happy to tell somebody about it. Kind of, oh, I went to this place and it was great. We had this service, had this meal, had that food, tasted awesome. And that's you know, we're we're giving that validation and we're. We're, we're in essence sharing that experience. And same thing with, I guess, you know, uh, with uh, the cooking and with uh, either hardware or something like that, but it's, yeah, what we're doing is sharing experiences. And uh, I think the other nice thing is when you're so close to your suppliers as whether it's like the coffee people or the tomato people or, or whatever it is, is that's then adding value, isn't it, to the story of, of the cake or the sauce or the, the roast or whatever it is, because you can then, you can add, uh, you can add character to it so yeah. uh, that, that's cool I mean I love that and uh, is it um, I mean you obviously have a good relationship with with your suppliers which is fantastic um, are there a few that you uh, you, you know I would say you can't go without
0: I mean the one the, the main one would be my coffee supplier and the owners of it are my two best friends you know one growing up and the other one um, is my is best friend from when I moved to Bristol and they set it up. Uh, they're called Clifton Coffee, and I had a shared a shed of flat with a friend. And when I moved out, James, who's the owner of Clifton Coffee, moved in, and he set it up from the landing of the flat we had. And there <laughs> were a few boxes. I mean, now you've probably seen them on um, Microsoft Teams advert. That's worldwide. You know, these guys have, have grown something special. Um, I'm very proud of them, and. Uh, Everything they do is they're trying to do the best. The roastery is phenomenal. Uh, Every time I bring a member of staff on, I'm insistent that they go to the roastery for training because you buy into the site. It's a bit like when we would go on test days and we'd Mm. meet the reps or do a factory visit, it's imperative because coffee is our biggest selling product. Mm. It's a massive part of our identity. And when they go out to the roastery, I mean, it's family, you know, they're meeting big intrinsic part of my business and they're buying into it and every single time they're like wow you know these people are passionate they're um you know best practices they're groundbreaking they're doing different things love it
1: Uh, i i'm 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 giddy i'm excited and i love the mindset you've got of when a new staff member comes on you send them to one of your suppliers you know your key suppliers or your partners to to find out about them i think that's that's I love it. I love it. I love it. I think it's that's a fantastic mindset um, and uh, obviously it puts you in great standing you know, with regards to your suppliers, but also with your your staff members as well. And uh, they probably come back all, all charged up, ready to go. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: um, So I'm also interested to find out that, you know, you know, obviously most of us or 99% of us all um, cook at some point. Um, what was that little voice in your head that perhaps said that you were going to open up a cafe as opposed to continue to cook just for friends and family and loved ones because obviously you know on, on a sunday i'll perhaps put together a bit of a roast or something like that and i enjoy cooking but taking to that next level of actually committing myself to opening some sort of venture what what drove you to do that what make you what made you take that uh, that big leap
0: it was a series of events, really, Phil. Um, when I lived in Sydney, um, I don't know if you've been there, but the, the cafe culture in Sydney is probably the best I've experienced. I mean, Melbourne's good too, um, but going out for Saturday brunch, the cafe vibe—that's what—that's what that's, that was my dream. And um, the social aspect, the the food aspect, the sort of um, relaxed aspect. You know, I've never had an interest in putting on a shirt and tie every day and and doing fine dining. That's just not me. Um, but doing sort of, uh, food that's soulful and hearty and part of where you are, so it has an identity was really important. Then I, I took the rather well, long diversion into the ski industry, which thoroughly enjoyed, uh, but there was always that little bit. And then with my friends starting Clifton coffee and me, um, experiencing the industry through them, I'd go to trade shows. I was, uh, it got to a point in my career where at snow and rock. I think the next step would have been probably trying to get a job at head office, which at that time would have meant to, you know, move to Guildford, which I already had two children at that point. And um the other thing I I I think I haven't discussed yet is that when I was still at Snow and Rock, um, I had cancer. I had testicular cancer when I was 26. I got diagnosed with the day before my wedding, and that changed my attitude to everything. So I suddenly felt that all these what-ifs chances, dreams had to start happening um, and for the cafe or food was something and then it was um, serendipity really which a chain of cafes were selling off their sites. I did uh, SWOT analysis which I you know was was always doing as a, as a manager at Snow Rock and I sat in the window of the cafe for a not, I went back and forth for two weeks counting footfall looking mm. it was a huge risk i mean mm. it was scary i'll be honest and then my my summary was let's do it you know that hospital is not going to go anywhere and yeah you know if you can can do it and yeah here, here we are that's, <laughs> well, I mean, that's
1: fantastic <laughs> <But>. <laughs> i mean it's a uh, that 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 chain of events, you know, uh, nobody can really have predicted it, and um, obviously, um, obviously pleased that you're on the other side of that. But uh, I think everybody's probably uh, grateful for you for actually taking the the plunge and and, and uh, obviously opening uh, the cafe. Just uh, I was just sitting here, I was uh, reflecting back, and I wondered if uh, through as you shared your story with us, um, do you think when you were or well, let me ask you when you were younger, when you're you know. Um, at, at school do you think you're always destined to open up a cafe or a restaurant do you think that you think the, no. You think the, the journey no <laughs> you don't think so no,
0: i went to uh do you know what? my eldest son asked me this recently because he had to you know he was at secondary school he was asked what do you want to do i didn't quite phrase it like this but um when i was a teenager my goal was to be an airline pilot and you know have a lot of fun flying around the world um, and then that was probably 15 years of age. And then it was the army. Honestly, I had a romantic ideal. I had friends who were going in, and um, the way they sell it to you was you get to ski, play rugby, and drink some beer. So I thought, yeah, I'm I'm down with that. So growing was, up,
1: was that on the uh, recruiting poster? My goodness pretty gracious,
0: pretty <laughs> much. And um, no, so cafe wasn't really. Uh, it was. It wasn't until I was older and and travelled that. that, that became part of my
1: dream. Oh wow! Well, I mean, I say I think that um, obviously the fact that you 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 now got uh, Penfolds, which is in a in a great location, which um, I think that uh, I think obviously who you are as a person, the, the, the menu that you have, and, and how you uh, you um, service your, your customers, your clients is you know obviously a massive portion of, of your uh, tremendous success, but also um, the location which you mentioned is uh, obviously uh, close to the uh, one of the hospitals. Um, and that's also been kind of key in terms of use um, a person in terms of helping helping others. So, can you share with us the location uh, and kind of kind of a little bit of the story behind that?
0: Yeah, sure. So it's it's on it's right in the centre, and we're opposite the Children's Hospital and the Bristol Royal Infirmary. But it's the, those two hospitals are part of a cluster of seven hospitals and seven and a half thousand NHS staff. So it's a big big area um, and an then the two buildings down from me is the education center for the region, which train all the staff in different things. Um, so it's, it's a, it is a real hub. Um, I chose it yeah, from a business point of view because I thought that the customer base was secure. But as it progressed, it, it, the business evolved and my attitude changed. I, the first two years, I'll be honest, were difficult. They are difficult for a business. The first six months i thought this is easy i'm going to open three and go skiing that'd be brilliant <laughs> and then the biggest costa in the southwest opened opposite the road yeah. and in the hospital uh, and took a third of my turnover overnight um it was scary times the really the my wife and i take the decision to sell our house that we were renting out at the time because um, we'd moved to north bristol and we had to inject a lot of money in the business to survive um, i questioned myself i thought have i ruined everything if i've made a really bad decision and then it was like anything in life it was just getting your head down working building and time and and that's what happened and we've built relationships with the hospital our catering business is growing and um to give you an idea we're open to the public but uh measured through our discount scheme, we i think 92 percent of our customers are nhs
1: wow that's incredible i mean and you know, I mean, one of the things is I was just um, blown away uh, about, I mean, obviously we could, you know, chat about COVID because I think that was, that was obviously quite a, a challenge for every business and, but also then for, from my understanding in terms of, of the way your business was as well, I mean, you actually, um, I mean, you do a lot of things, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to tee you up, I'm going to let you toot your own horn, but because you do things at Christmas time to help families, you you know, you you renovated part of your your cafe for NHS staff to to have a bit of a a break and everything like that. And I think what you do is is absolutely wonderful um, for all these frontline workers. And you know, I think it goes back to that that sense of of community that you you're building an openness and openness and welcome with a, with a warm, you know, with a with a warm welcome. Um, so yeah, I'm going to tee it up. I'm going to let you chat about that because I think it's absolutely brilliant what you're doing there.
0: Yeah. So. It was probably year three and four, we really started building relationships with different teams in the hospital. And like anything in life, you know, um, you and I always go on well. You build a rapport with certain individuals that you see eye to eye. And there's been certain people um, who run certain departments uh, that I get on really well with. So we're very close with the um, adults emergency department, we're very close with the children's, the pediatric side. Um, and over the years, I've built these relationships. Um, and then those are into to events. So we'll do what we can to sponsor people. Um, being an uh, ED physician, doctor, nurse, even Abbott, is very stressful. So one thing we started doing four years ago, um, we do a pop-up series where a team comes into the cafe. The two lead consultants cook for the team, which is a good team building. So they borrow our kitchen. And then my friends with Clifton Coffee come and we quickly teach them how to do latte art. <laughs> we have one member on each arm and they have when they have a competition a latte off and and then they um they have a few drinks and enjoy the evening and it's become a real and they win a prize he won it so we've done a number of those um, we make the the premises available for their users they want to use it for events or celebrations meetings um, absolutely uh, the Christmas thing that came about so that's three years might be four even that we've done it um, I had a phone call from a charity um, that provide meals for the elderly and disabled at Christmas who are on their own and I was like yes I want to do this come and use my premises so the lady came and said my I don't know if you remember Phil but the staircase in my cafe is a bit like a ski slope so yeah. They go down to it. yeah so up uh, <laughs> That was a numb starter from a risk assessment point of view. And I gotta admit, I was really pumped. I wanted to help someone and it, it resonated with me. And I left, I was left a bit hollow. And I thought, what should I do? And I just made the decision. We're gonna we're gonna open Christmas Day for the NHS and everything's free. So um, the first Christmas was a learning uh, exercise where we provided a four-course Christmas meal with a massive turkey donated but then we could only fit 14 people because some were very ill and they had um, some of the patients in the children's long term, um, and it felt great but I, I realized there was hundreds of people over the road staff and patients that weren't being helped or assisted so the next Christmas we changed it up and we just did takeaway you know like um just breakfast bats, and cakes and we had loads of donations and volunteers um, really from friends and and ex-colleagues and it wonderful atmosphere and just seeing people come in feeling uh that you were doing something nice for them but the atmosphere is amazing and there was a selfish motivation to do it phil
1: Mm.
0: when you've got children i found it you know you watch the grinch and all this stuff i didn't want to get into this whole materialistic thing on christmas day my sons still have a christmas some of my Mm -hmm. friends oh well well, how do the boys feel about it and they feel fine we've communicated that we'll go over in the morning we will serve everyone until two we're doing a good thing and then we have our christmas in the afternoon you know it's wonderful but um we've created a bit of a rub for ourselves because it's getting bigger and bigger and every year i think we served over well over 300 people last christmas Wow. Um, and all through generous donations um, from bakers, my friend Ruby and White, uh, the butchers, um, Beyond the Bean, who do the syrup and hot chocolate, Clifton Coffee, and we actually had too many volunteers last year. So I don't know if people are trying to avoid family members at Christmas, but it was
1: uh, <laughs> you know you
0: put I put a silly jumper on, I wear a hat. We we try and serve as many people as we can, and um, it's become an integral part of my christmas now i love
1: it that is absolutely wonderful i have got i've got a warm warm feeling and, and um okay admittedly we're a month's away probably from from christmas per se but these things take a lot of planning and, and a lot of support um you know if people did want to reach out and, and and get in touch and help and donate and like that do they just get in touch directly with you would that be um... yeah, send
0: me an email phone me at the cafe yeah. you know um, simon penfold at hotmail.com. Um, Anything's just wonderfully appreciated. I mean, every year I get blown away by people's generosity. Mm.
1: Um, That's absolutely. It's, bad enough,
0: it's a bad enough working Christmas. I remember working Bocking Day, you know, at the ski shop. You're a bit yeah. Like, oh. But I'm uh, working Christmas Day, especially <clears throat> during a pandemic, you mm-hmm. know, it, it's it, it's not a chilled Christmas sitting trying to eat as much quality street as you can with your feet up on a desk may have done that before but they they deserve they deserve anything and everything that people can get and one of the reasons i'll keep doing it is during the pandemic there was a short-lived appreciation of the nhs and i feel quite passionate that that needs to stay you know i think we we're human beings we all too easily forget how things are
1: yeah uh, those are very um, poignant words i'd agree with you on that and um you mentioned about uh, Christmas day with you with your your boys and your and a uh, few questions there with that is like um, do you first of all your staff do your staff come in and, and um, volunteer to come in on, on when they're doing these extra, extra things um, i imagine I'd like to think they they jump in and throw, throw their hat in the ring to help out
0: it's it's a mixed bag yes is the answer We've had one or two members of staff volunteer each Christmas, and it is totally voluntary and I wouldn't i have no expectation of them so the other challenge we have phil december's up to christmas is a very very busy time for us it's exhausting Mm -hmm. um and it's a chance for them to see their family as well so luckily we have so many volunteers through friends and contacts um my calling on the staff i would never insist yeah yeah, uh, for instance my my uh supervisor manager who works with paula she couldn't get home to Italy and um, so she had Christmas with us and it was wonderful um, and powder really enjoyed it. So <laughs> it it's a rewarding experience, but on the on, when you're first presented with it, it's a bit daunting, and you might not think it's it's the best thing to do and I said it's not for everyone
1: no no but i I, I think Thank you for doing it. Uh, thank you for uh, getting involved and, and uh, for, for helping as many people. And uh, with regards to helping, then, do you, not necessarily at Christmas time, but do, d- does your family get involved? Do the boys come in? Do they help out? Do they ice things? I mean, h- how do they, do they, maybe outside of Christmas, but uh, are they involved in the business?
0: Um, yeah, my, my oldest Ollie, who's 13 now, he's becoming more helpful. Um, so, for instance, he'll help me if I go to the wholesaler um you know carry boxes from the van unload things um so physically he's being helpful he's too young to put him on the shop floor i think um but he's he's becoming very helpful and at christmas we try and make a role for all the boys so it might be just handing out a cake or wrapping things up or lifting things from upstairs to downstairs but it's important that they don't just sit there um the younger ones obviously do because shakes only seven now but when we first started, he was three or four. <laughs> I think you know uh, the expectation wasn't high, but I, I want them to do it out of and want to help people rather than. I'm not saying they have to work in catering, or um, I want
1: them. <laughs> yeah, to, yeah. No, it's a fantastic uh, you know community spirit. So um, do you, uh, you know with with the community that you're building, uh, with the uh, location you have, um, and people obviously coming in from from the hospital. Are there uh, things that people, uh, that you're known for, aside from your, your uh, big, big welcome, <laughs> that people come to you for in terms of like signature dishes or anything like that, uh, that people come in and kind of go, I need to have a slice of, or a, a bit of X.
0: Yeah, there's, there's a few things. I think The main thing we're probably, our big seller would be our cinnamon buns. Um, okay. We don't actually make them, they're made by our bakers, Joe's Bakery. And, uh, one, and again, a, a relationship I've had for six years, um, mm-hmm. Dane and Martin are a wonderful couple. Um, they're American-style cinnamon buns with cream cheese icing on them. Very decadent. And uh, they're, they're locale style. ones, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're not the cucumber of the sweet world. Um, <laughs> they, yeah, they're they very popular. And then we do um, we do our um, pastry bread and butter pudding cake with additional chocolate and cinnamon. So we any pastries we have left over, we actually have to, have to bake some off to add to it. We tear them up so it's a mixture of all different pastries, and we make a bread and butter pudding mixed with chocolate and cinnamon. And whoever the chef is in the kitchen that day, they always do it slightly different. So I like the fact that they're always slightly different, and there's a little bit of competition going on between them, which is healthy. Um, and that's popular, you know, served warm with a bit of vanilla cream. Um, yeah, that'll put a smile on your face.
1: I'm looking around, be kind be of going, I need a cup of coffee and a slice <laughs>
0: Um, would be paula's food so my italian chef and supervisor she's wonderful and a great cook i mean if she i've married her yeah i'd be fed to death um she makes an amazing focaccia so lovely focaccia like rosemary salt, or her homemade sourdough pizzas um her tiramisu her cakes so i think her, her signature would be the fact that she'll cook something fresh and different every time which i like otherwise it's too predictable
1: yeah no it's good say, i mean because uh, those the other other thought or question is like you know i'm sure you have kind of a mainstay of menu bits you know you probably have to your cinnamon rolls and everything like that but you're you know how how often does your menu change or you know do you, are, are there certain standards that you have to have for something to go on your menu um you know just have to meet the you know the simon simon uh, approval process
0: yeah um i love tasting new things i'll tell you that mm-hmm. but the pandemics had an effect on the way that we do our offering so the breakfast menus stayed the same um obviously during the pandemic people weren't sitting in so they would tend to just have a bat or something that was easy to take away you know eggs benedict with smoked salmon hollandaise in a little box isn't necessarily as, as appetizing it's on a warm plate sat down um but to make the the cut, the, the lunches, like I said, it changed. So We make fresh fresh sandwich baguettes, pennies, focaccia, um, soups. Um, they change all the time. We use fresh ingredients. And I actually, that's one of the benefits from the pandemic. So our lunch menu's kind of evaporated at the moment. It's a fresh offering each day and it evolves. Um, and that way we stay seasonal and you don't have to change the drawings on the wall all the time. So the breakfast stays that true. Saying that, I think when we feel more secure down the road from the pandemic and the likelihood of being able to just be take away and securing our sit down I reckon the menu will evolve again that
1: sounds um,
0: good. but there are yeah there's always things that I wish we could have and we're a very small cafe so and the kitchen can only output a certain amount but um we're, we're going to change our brunch menu in October um, yeah which I'm excited about and out
1: of interest the um you know Obviously, you're very cautious of, of the amount that you use and how much you, uh, you know, obviously, you quote unquote, recycle into, into other dishes. Um, what happens to at the end of the day when you have ca- when you have uh, cakes and pastries and that sort of stuff that perhaps have kind of, you know, they've perhaps sat around for a little while? Do, do they just go in the bin? Is there anything we, you guys we, can we're,
0: do? We're actually quite fortunate. I mean, one of the benefits of being around for eight and a half years, you can actually read your usage very closely. We did sign up for an app. I don't know if you used it too good to go, where any food left at the end of the day, you put in a bag and it'd be certain people secure it on the app and they pay a small amount towards it. Um, so I was like, yeah, that's a great idea. And then the reality was we didn't have much wastage. That's I ended good. up putting full price, you know, great product in the bag to make it up. And I thought, well, that's not going to work. Um, so what do we do? If I have some cakes, the staff know that I'd rather they took them and, and gave them to someone who needed them Um, Mm -hmm. because we're in central Bristol, you don't have to go far before you meet someone that's homeless, um, or definitely a need, um, or we might donate it, but there's not a huge amount of waste. I mean, I'm proud of that and I suppose there's there's a side of it where, um, you know, it could be, could be used. Um, so yeah, that's the answer. We, we, we unfortunately don't have a huge amount um yeah. <laughs> I mean, if there's bread at the end of the day um you can you could freeze it but i might bring it home for the boys or encourage the staff to take it
1: Fair enough. um and i mean obviously again massacring new spirit out of uh, kind of not of adventurous, but um eight years in what do you feel has been your um not your, maybe not your big biggest success but what's been your greatest joy in terms of uh, penfolds
0: um, I, I actually was nominated for an award within the NHS this year, um, for like a local hero award and it, it, I, knowing that whatever I've done, I haven't done it for any recognition that that brought a tear to my eye. The fact that I knew that, and I, I get told all the time that, you know, you're part of the team, you're like the NHS. And I I, I think that's part of it is knowing that I've become a help, a support, not just the cafe and part of the community which you've got to work at. You, know, you build relationships, you work at them, you nurture them, and um, you take the rough with the smooth. And I think that's my biggest achievement. I think the fact that um, when I go in in the morning, I, I'm really lucky because I see so many friends, you know, and mm-hmm. I can ask how they're doing. It, it sounds corny, but I think that's got to
1: be it. That's fine. I, th- what's it, uh, um, I think we, need it. we all need a little bit of uh, happiness and corny right now. Let's, there's nothing Not wrong with that. Always. <laughs> <laughs> nothing wrong with that um beforehand we were chatting a little bit about um you know you currently have have, have penfolds and then during uh covid and lockdown all this, the things you, you managed to kind of um get involved uh, in a slightly different side of the business uh and perhaps growing your empire that way um can you share with us kind of what your what your plans are what you did and how the two things kind of Feed off one another. pardon the pun.
0: Yeah, so that that would be the catering business. So, um, like I said, when we shut down the cafe and we were just doing the catering at the beginning of the first lockdown, we were NHS only. The phone just kept ringing. I mean, we were receiving donations hundreds of pounds at a time for us to provide lunch for different teams or take cakes or, um, so that happened organically. But now, obviously, I, w- I would like to to expand it and. Um, words getting round, and, and every week it seems to be growing. Um, we will get to a point where I imagine we'll outgrow our facility, and um, so that's why I'm, I'm looking to expand, um, not just from a, a singular cafe point of view, but the cafe as well. Uh, sorry, the catering. Um, yeah, and it was it was amazing. The team. That was my point where people would just phone up and say. Uh, you know, the NICU department, neonatal intensive care, have done an amazing job for my family. Can I give you 200 pounds to provide lunch for them? And this was daily, several days, you know. Um, We were having donations for the anaesthetists at 800 pounds a time for lunches. Um, And and it wasn't always from the public. It was fellow medics who knew that they were under hardship and a lot of the time they would ask that their name was not recorded
1: oh wow i am kind of i've kind of well up a little bit yeah. that's uh that's incredible yeah that's. And, that's...
0: Uh, i could go on and on i mean there was there's an amazing lady <laughs> who worked at the hospital who's a member of a church group and the church contacted me and said we'd like to send some cakes buns and bacon sandwiches to the emergency department so we did um but then they quickly phoned back and said we would like to do eight more days eight more saturdays for the bri and for southmead hospital as well so we started delivering up there the goodwill was just blew me
1: away that's wonderful i mean it's
0: great for me and they would say you know we know you've done stuff in the past um you know we appreciate you and um but also the pleasure you get in delivering heartwarming food to someone that's probably pulled a 12-hour shift and seen things that they'd rather not see Mm. is yeah it's great
1: Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm almost lost for words right now. It's yeah,
0: yeah, the last two years have been emotional.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's um, that's, a, that's amazing. Well, I mean, I'm I'm sure uh, I'd like to think that you'll probably continue to get a massive support from not only uh, your regulars, but uh, hopefully you make some more uh, some new friends as well. Um, obviously running your your. Uh, empire your future empire everything like that um and having your enjoyment of, of looking at food and, and eating out uh does it get boring for you sometimes eating out uh, at somebody else's place maybe not because everyone's <laughs> coming back into it so, so it's a novelty but do you ever kind of get bored in the sense of kind of like oh well i could have done that one better
0: it does happen um and it's quite a lucky position to be in um the my friends and I had this conversation last week. It's actually good timing. Is that um, what percentage of the of your eating out experience is the service? And do you know what? After talking for a while, it's up. It matches the food, if not in some people's experience, it surpasses it. Um, and going forward, as as people's businesses either thrive or struggle, I think we need to realize that the service is paramount if you're going to grow a business and but it's a, it's a it's a bigger bigger thing phil it's people being appreciated for the job they do we've had a horrific attitude towards the service industries in the uk you know forever it is changing and do you know what before we did brexit it, it was it was riding a wave i think people were starting to see careers in hospitality as a real viable option i think now the the big gulf in vacancies and um employee uh, employment shortages is is again just a signature of the fact that we we don't treat the services industry with the respect that they deserve likewise during the pandemic you know the the tesco staff or you know cafe staff who had to work they couldn't afford to they weren't being furloughed so service is paramount sorry i'm going off on a rant but no no
1: no uh, no I, th- I think it's i think you're right i think it's uh yeah so if i if
0: i have it's the service aspect food we're very lucky in bristol the food scene here is so vibrant and growing um you know I'm, I, I, I could walk you know uh, 800 yards and find a really good restaurant um we're fortunate and i do enjoy going out and i do go out probably more than most and i do enjoy it there are some meals where you pay the bill and you think yeah yeah Yeah.
1: so when you've uh, been out is there a a dish somewhere or a meal that you've had you turn think, yeah i'd love to have that on my on my menu um there's there's
0: just one
1: though
0: just one yeah okay so there's a group of restaurants here they started off i'm gonna guess seven years ago uh, with their first site pasta loco and it's a guy called dominic burrell and ben harvey and uh his brother joe and they do handmade pasta like from scratch dominic's background is he was in australian restaurants for years you know we get on quite well and uh, ben does the most amazing fresh pasta and roll blah, blah, blah. but they do um a squid ink um pasta which I've had it in a few of other restaurants over time. That would be a go-to dish. I mean, I couldn't make it. I'm sure Paola probably could, but that's something I could eat again and again and
1: again. <laughs> Brilliant, love it. So um, the um, obviously, if we maybe to put the restaurant off to, to one side for a minute, is there something, uh, I mean, obviously you mentioned that uh, you were perhaps good to join the services, didn't know that, um, but is there something cool that you've done that perhaps people wouldn't know that you have done?
0: um it's, it was a hard one to think about this i what well, one of the kooky things that i did recently you know about it but i was on tipping point the game show
1: actually i don't think i knew that. You
0: know that so that came out from my son was off school for a week a few years ago three years ago and it said at the end of tipping point we used to sit on the sofa and watch it, it said if you want to be in the next episode you, you see these things you never do it uh so I, I entered it and then walking a week later, they phoned me up and asked me some uh, multiple choice questions, not multiple, but just general knowledge. And then they invited me in for a, sort of another interview and a test screening. And anyway, I got on and did it and I won. And uh, yeah, I think that's probably the thing. It was a good experience.
1: That's so cool. But See, I didn't know three that.
0: Three key questions I nailed, but I did get an embarrassing question wrong, which under the timed 32nd thing was, what's opposite 12 on a clock face 6 yeah i said 1 it was yeah. in a time thing so okay. i get ridiculed for that all my friends and family are like come on what's opposite <laughs> 12 Simon?" but uh i won
1: <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah i won no 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 <laughs> <laughs> pretty cool so at the um um obviously hopefully you've kind of enjoyed our, our little chat today but um who do you think would be an interesting person you'd like to hear uh, on the podcast well as well or somebody interesting to to interview
0: yeah, I, I was thinking about this, and it's someone who I haven't spoken to in a number of years, and it would be Dave Powell, who's okay. the manager of Bristol, because yeah. um, Dave's interesting, a, a great manager. He, um, bat, like, massive experience. He goes back to Krakow, where he worked in a proper outdoor shop, you know, he's from South Wales. He's had a lot of experience, a lot of knowledge, and I haven't spoken to him in a long time, so I would love to hear him.
1: Cool. That sounds good. Well, um, first of all, thank you very much for for participating in in um, in this podcast, in this episode, and to say thank you for it. Um, we uh, my, myself and uh, one of our sponsors, Doorstone, are going to uh, send you out a t shirt. So you have to send me your your size and your address we'll send one out and uh, it made me chuckle because when I mentioned to to Rory that uh that, that you were going to come on I like oh I was at Penfolds the other day we go way back I'm like oh cool brilliant so uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah Rory's a good lad and yeah. and I gave him a t-shirt so yeah it's poignant that he gives me one
1: there you go boom so, there you go so back and forth a little bit but then the thing is you're gonna to have to put it on you're gonna to have to wear it at the same time oh yeah absolutely brilliant brilliant represent so, the brand we, uh, we always wrap a podcast by uh, asking everybody the same three questions. So the first question I'm going to ask you is, uh, if you had to take away a, a phrase or a sentence or a word that encapsulates the Penfolds brand, what would that be? How you doing? Oh, I like that. <laughs> is, is that, that that's your version of how you do, not the, not the Joey Tribbiani one.
0: Yeah, how you doing? Wayne? That's a different one. <laughs> but um, no, how you doing? Actually asking how people are.
1: Good. I like that. Brilliant what would you like your your legacy to be now sometimes you ask sporting legacy uh, whether it's a cooking legacy but we'll go for a general what would you like your legacy to be
0: uh general legacy i i'd like to think that whoever i work with um be it customers or employees they'll, they'll think that i i did right by you know as a positive person a positive influence um, and and i set a good example for my three sons love
1: it yep Final question. So uh, as an individual, who do you think a legend of a brand is and why?
0: The legend of a brand. Um, it's someone who uh, epitomizes it. So a legend of a brand. So I, I listened to a few before. And um, like Dion for me, Dion Taylor, was um, a talisman or a figurehead for Snow and Rock in its heyday. And I'll remember him. Um, likewise, I would take, um, my friend who set up Clifton coffee. So it is a legend of a brand is someone that, um, identifies and lives the values of that brand. Yeah. Otherwise it's a lie. Yeah. So for me, the legend of a brand is someone that is the epitome of it and lives and breathes it.
1: Cool. Yeah. Love it. Great. So, um, well, thank you so much for, for coming on today and uh, for sharing your, your time and your story with us. And uh, again, for all the work that you do uh, supporting your local community and with um, hospitals and everything like that, I think what you're doing is absolutely spectacular. Um, if people want to find out more about you, if people want to find out more about Pen- Penfold's Kitchen, everything like that, how do they find out? How do they get in touch?
0: Yeah, sure. So um, my email is Um I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. The cafe's on Instagram and on Facebook. Um, so yeah, or pick the phone up, just message. Um, it'd be great to engage with anyone.
1: Cool. Brilliant. Well, uh, once again, thank you very much for your time. And uh... I shall let you continue on because you probably have a busy afternoon of doing some other bits and bobs. But uh, no, I really Good appreciate here. your time. I've
0: always returned from school in the other room. I put a massive do not disturb notice. <laughs>
1: That's okay. My my, uh, my executive producer here has been jumping up and down. I think he needs to go outside. <laughs> so, well, yeah. well, anyway, you take care. Have a great Good afternoon. Look after the
0: talent, there, Phil.
1: Will do. <laughs> take care. Speak soon, Simon.
0: Good to speak to you, buddy. All the best. Cheers Bye bye.
1: Hey there, thanks for hanging out with us on this episode of Legends of the Brand, and thank you very much for sticking around to the very end. I wonder if I could ask one other favor though. If you felt so inclined, please head to buymeacoffee.com forward slash L-O-T-B. That's buymeacoffee.com forward slash L-O-T-B. And there, you the opportunity to support the work that we're doing here on legends of the brand and to continue to get the guests and insights which hopefully you'll find enjoyable anyway i look forward to speaking with you soon hopefully in person but if not on another episode of legends of the brand